0: May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.
1: Um, let's say just a couple things before we read the scripture and then we'll, we'll get into the message this morning. So I believe uh, that doctrine determines how we live. Does anybody else believe that? I believe that doctrine determines how we live. What we believe is going to affect how we live. Uh, but I want you to think about this, because kind of what we're going to preach about this morning. Knowing doctrine, having head knowledge... Is not the same as understanding it on a deeper level. Do you guys get that? H- having knowledge, you can know the facts, but it not really have so- soaked into your heart, not really understanding it on a deeper level it- it is different. So I believe that we have a lot of knowledge. I believe we could use a little bit more uh, understanding, a little bit more depth in our thoughts. <clears throat> So the text we're going to read this morning, uh, uh, I'm just overwhelmed by it. I, I, the things got, i don't have time to stand here and tell you everything God has done this week and in late, lately on uh, working with my heart on this. But I, I especially v- verse number eight, uh, it is the it is the commonly quoted verse when we're trying to win souls. Uh, Romans five eight, and I would guess that a lot of you could probably quote that verse. Uh, I would guess that a lot of you would say I understand that verse. I'm going to challenge you this morning that we need to understand it better. Because my challenge is to you this morning, if we understand this verse, we're going to, it's going to change our lives. And so there we have the, the title, um, Comprehension Difference. We can know things, but when we really know things... It changes everything it makes things different so so we want to dig in a little bit deeper uh, in this uh, scripture this morning and try to really really get a hold of what it says and I believe it will change our lives. That being said, uh, let us stand uh, please pay attention such such precious precious scriptures, Romans chapter five, pick up reading verse number six. we can stand and honor God's word if you're able <clears throat> if you're not, you may remain seated for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God, aren't you thankful for but God? But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Isn't that good? <clears throat> Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, By the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Let us pray. Uh, Lord, you know my heart this morning. Lord, you know that I am just, Lord, overwhelmed with this scripture. Father, such a rich, rich Teaching in your Word, Lord, I I know I am not able to uh, take us to a deeper place in understanding. I know that I'm not able to give them what they need this morning, but oh God, I pray that Your Spirit would come, take control of my tongue, take control of everything that is said. Lord, you open their hearts. Lord, let them receive this. May it truly change our lives. I pray in Jesus' holy name, and Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so. I know I say this all the time, but in context, we've been studying through the book of Romans. When you take Romans 5, 8 in particular and read it alone, it's an awesome verse. It's an awesome verse, right? God died for us when we were sinners, right? That, that's an awesome verse, but when you put it in context with all that we have studied in that we are all sinners and that there's nothing good about us and that we have nothing to offer God and that we are saved by faith only and, and, and nothing we can contribute and that we go through, as we learned last week, we go through problems uh, that, that tries our faith, that proves that our faith is real. When we put all that in context and then building upon that, we say now, because you're such a rotten sinner... God still died for you. Now all of a sudden, there's a lot more weight to that statement, and I have just been overwhelmed. As I said this this week, Lord, really working with me on this, uh, and I, I really just desire that we could we could allow it to to really to to change our heart uh, in in grasping it. <clears throat> So I believe that one of the big things that is missing in the church today, I, you don't really hear this preached about a lot. You used to hear a lot of the old timers preach about. It. You just don't hear it preached about a lot. And I believe it's one of the really the big things that we um, are missing in the church today. I believe that we are missing uh, the holiness of God. The holiness of God. See, if we, if we realize how holy he is, how, how perfect and righteous he is, how just he is, if we realize the, the, the God that we serve, then when we look in the mirror, we wouldn't say, well, I'm not really that bad. Because we would realize how holy he is. I mean, compared to him, I, I, I don't compare myself to Lonnie or Cain or Bessie or Terry Will. I don't compare myself to you guys. I compare myself to him. And when I compare myself to him, I say, oh, God, like that, uh, like that publican in the temple, I just bow my head and say, oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I have nothing to offer. But, but we, we're in a kind of in a Christianity day. We don't want to think a whole lot about how holy God is. We just want to think how holy we are, right? And, and that causes a lot of problems. So I heard a preacher illustrate this. I thought this was a pretty good illustration. Uh, maybe this will help you guys understand a little bit. So <clears throat> I heard this preacher say that he that he drove by this um, this pasture where this where, where a bunch of sheep were, and the grass was green and those sheep were just so white and they just looked so pretty, and and you just looked at him and you thought, man, those sheep are just they're just so white. And then he said, I came back. And the same pasture, it was the same sheep that were the same color, and it had snowed. And when they seen those sheep, they looked very brown. It depends on what you're comparing it to. A white sheep compared to green grass is very white. A white sheep compared to pure snow is very dirty. And that's the way you and I are. We, we look at ourselves and think, I'm really not that bad. Compare yourself to God. All of a sudden, you're not so good. All of a sudden, you are very dirty uh, in, in comparison. And I think that's what the scripture really bears out. And again, taking it in context, understanding it, I think it, it uh, um, really starts to bring out who we are. So if we look at verse number six, we just kind of try to go through this uh, verse by verse. It says, for when we were yet without strength. If we really comprehend, again, this will change your life. You get a hold of this. And when we really comprehend, we, we had no ability to save ourselves. We had no ability to get rid of our sins. We were without strength. We were without ability. We, we had nothing to offer. Our works didn't help us. Our goodness didn't help us. We had no goodness to offer. We, had, we couldn't do anything. We were completely hopeless. But God, but God. You know, a lot of us have been raised in church so long, you know, since I was just, I guess, a baby, I've heard Jesus died on the cross for me. But what if he hadn't? What if he hadn't? What if Jesus would have never came? See, the point is, we we've lost track that we deserve to go to hell and that we are rotten sinners and that Jesus chose to come and make a way where we go to hell because we didn't have any strength. We had no ability to save ourselves. And without getting into too much controversy... Not only Jesus coming and dying for my sins that I had not strength, and I don't know if you guys will have this or not, but after Jesus died on the cross, I had no strength in myself to be saved. Do you know what, It was God that did that. Just think about that. Not only did he leave heaven, come down and pay for my sins when I had no strength, but then after he made the plan of salvation, I still didn't have the ability to to accept him. And he had to come down. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 10, it says his faith. He gives me his faith and he draws me where I can receive him. It isn't that I uh, decided on my own that I wanted to be good. It was that God made made me able to be saved. I had nothing to contribute. And he did it all. If we really understand that, it it really does change everything. So when we didn't have strength in due time, just quickly, there was a designated time for all this to happen. I don't believe there's anybody here that can comprehend it. I don't believe it's comprehensible by man. But God created the earth. He created Adam and Eve. He went through the whole Old Testament. He knew all of us were going to be born in the future. He knew all those would be born in the past. But at exactly the right moment... Christ stepped on the scene, defeated the devil, and made a way we can go to heaven. You say, what's the significance of that? Well, there, there's a lot of significance to it, and there's a lot of things that are beyond our of. But what we need to understand is that was, that was, a, that was not a, a, a happenstance. That was not a just so happen. That was a precision moment exactly when it had to happen. You know when Jesus was walking on the earth, they tried to kill him. He, you know, He said, my hour's not yet come yet. He could be in the temple surrounded by people. They decide, we're going to kill you. He just walked through the crowd and go outside. His hour wouldn't yet come. But when his hour came, he didn't resist. He said, "My, it's time. It's time, right? Now, I don't understand all that, but I just want you to know that that is, that is God's plan. It was a precision time that, he was, that did this all happened. And Christ died for the ungodly. <clears throat> so let's look at verse number seven. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. I want to ask you guys, who would you die for? Who'd you die for? This says scarcely for a righteous man want to say. So I know a lot of good people. I know a lot of good people that I, I believe they are they're they're you know, they they try to live a good life, and I believe they're good people. If I'm real honest, Brother Charles, <laughs> too many of them I'd die for. <laughs> I mean, if you're a good man, I appreciate you, but I I don't know that I would die for you. But then it says that maybe maybe you wouldn't do that for a righteous man. It's a pretty big deal to give your life for somebody. But then it says maybe, per venture, maybe for a good man you would. Now here's how I interpret that. I looked up several commentators on this, but this is how I interpret this. If you're a good person, I'm probably not going to sign up to die for you. But if you're a good person to me in other words there's there's some connection there i may lay my life down for you how many I, you know you don't have to raise your hand you don't have to say anything but but i am I'm, I'm quite confident we got at least we got some mamas and grandmas in here you would lay your life down for your grandbabies for your babies right i mean it it, it just see for someone that is dear to you you know I, I believe that i would lay my life down for my kids i believe i lay my life down for my for my grandkids But I wouldn't lay my life down for just anybody. (laughs) And you say, that's not very loving. Well, it's it's very human, right? It's very human. But that's the point of this whole thing. Maybe there are a few people in your life you would die for, but there's not very many. But how many of you this morning, the person that, that irritates you the most, the person that annoys you the most, the person that drives you crazy, the person you really, you're not allowed to use the word, but you really dislike them a whole lot. How many of you would die for them? And that's the point of the story. See, we're not righteous people, and we're not even good people. But when we were enemies, we were literally on the outside looking in as enemies. Jesus said, though you are my enemy, I will go die for you. Are we getting this? And you say, well, preacher, we know all this. We've heard it before. I know we know it. But Satan wants it to become old to us so we don't let it affect our lives and really understand the depth of it. So when we begin to understand how unrighteous we are, how we were enemies, how we couldn't help ourselves, how we had no strength, we come to verse 8, number that famous verse, and I have it highlighted in my notes. So I have it in big, bold print. But God... Aren't you, can we just stop right here? And shout out, but God. So, so you're rotten. You have no strength. You are ungodly. You don't deserve to be died for. You are an enemy of uh, but God. And it's just like it's just like this whole book. He's been painting the picture of how undeserving you are. And it's just like all of a sudden the, the King of the Universe just separates everything and he steps out on the scene. He says, "But God's here. But God's here. You don't have any strength. You don't deserve it. You're not good. Uh, but God." And when God stepped out, how many of you know everything changed? Everything changed when God stepped out. But God, and I'll be honest, I I think I could preach on this for weeks and weeks and months and months and probably years and years, and I don't think we could ever really plummet the depths of it. And I, I can't even tell you how I'm struggling this morning trying to take you guys to a place where this really sinks in. But do you get, but God commendeth His love toward us. He demonstrated it. It's like he said, you know, we we all know the verse John 3.16, right? We all know that verse, John 3.16. I would say that most everybody here can quote John 3.16. It's a favorite verse for a lot of people. Tremendous verse, possibly one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Do we really understand John 3.16? Again, I would challenge you that we could probably preach on that for weeks or months and years and still never, never be able to get down where we really get a hold of it. But it's like God says in John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world. It's like he said, I love you guys so much, but you guys don't get it. I, I love you so much. Uh, you know, I, I love you so much. I send my son, and, 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 but you guys don't understand how much I love you. So I'm going to demonstrate how much I love you while you are my enemy, while you hate me and I can't love you. I'm going to step in and I'm going to shh. I'm going to show you how much I love you. Now we talked about. We talked about there are very few people we would die for, but now let me ask you guys this question. Let me ask you mamas this question. I'll put you mamas in a bad place. You would die for your grandbabies, but Sister Betsy, would you give your son for your son? Now what are you going to do? Would you give your son for your grandbaby? See now, I I could die. I could die. Listen, if, if someone's bothering Cason Kallen, I said just just take my life. If my life isn't worth that much. You spare my grandkids. If it was if it was Josh and Jeff is rich. If it was any of my if it was any of my my family, I would say take my life gladly. I will die. But what if they said we're going to kill Kason? only way you can stop that is if you sacrifice Josh. Now I got a problem. Now I got a problem. See, I love my grandbabies. But could I say, yeah, you can have my son, that's okay. Seriously, but people, seriously. See, God said, I want to show you, I want to, I want you know, it's been said many times by many preachers, but, but it was like God looked over the entirety of heaven. He looked, brother Charles looked over all the angels, he looked over all the riches, he looked over all the things that were there, and the God of the universe said, There's one thing and one thing only that means more to me than anything. And that most precious thing in heaven I will give it because I love you. And if you have a son, you have to understand how precious that is, that you would willingly offer that to an enemy so that enemy could be loved. And God is saying This is really what God's saying. I don't know if I'm getting this across to you guys. This is what God's really saying. You people aren't able to understand how much I love you, so I'm going to show you in a way that that makes it understandable to you. Maybe that's why he gave us sons. Maybe that's why he gave us sons. If I was preaching this illustration, we were just talking about something we didn't know, you could say, well, you know, that makes sense. But I think all of you who have a son can say... I don't know what I would do if my grandbabies were going to die and I had to sacrifice my son. <laughs> there, there's a love for grandbabies that's hard to even describe, right? But there's a love for sons that you can't even describe. So what are you going to do? What are all you moms going to do? you going let your son be killed? God loves so much that he said the thing that would hurt me. Can you just imagine how much it would hurt To watch them kill your son. Not only kill them, but to torture your son and then kill him. And you have to watch the whole thing. God said, the thing that would hurt me the most, I am willing to do that because I love you that much. Do you guys get that? I love you that much that I would allow them to do that to my son so you can be saved. It, it, it is staggering. It is absolutely uh, beyond comprehension. Uh, but I think we need a deeper understanding of it because I think that when, when we just quote this verse, and we say, yeah, we know God commanded his love towards, towards us. We were sinners. Uh, Christ died first. We know that verse. But can I tell you, we need to get down deeper, let it get deeper in our, because I'm going to challenge you here in a little bit. If we understand what this is teaching us, it's going to change everything for us. And that's kind of the point of the message this morning. It's going to change everything for us. So, So God demonstrated how much he loved us by allowing his son to be brutally killed for us. Now, verse number nine, much more than. I think this really just, that much more than is a, um, a, um, just driving it down in concrete it is a it is a statement of it is just a uh, much more than more than everything else with, with everything else we've taught you everything we went through up to this much more than even all of that jesus died for your sins and we've been talking about uh, believing by faith and going to heaven by faith and being justified by faith and and in all and we have nothing all of all those things but he said much more than all of that because jesus died for your sins you are going to go to heaven Look at what he says, much more than being now justified by his blood. Put it in context, everything we've learned up to this point. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. What wrath is it talking about? Eternal damnation. You know, I'm I preaching this every Sunday, and, and I think most of you are getting it, but I don't know how in the world you can take all of this in context, read all these five chapters up to this point, find out everything that we're saved by faith, and, and find out that Jesus died for our sins. And then he says, much more than, in the inspired word of God, say much more than, because of Jesus, you will not receive the wrath of God. And we're still going to mope around with our heads down saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it to heaven or not. All you are doing when you say that, you're you're doing, I I say this with love in my heart. You're doing one, two things. You're showing your ignorance or you are disrespecting the Son of God. Because I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. And and this verse makes it very clear that that is a concrete statement. Uh, Verse number 10, for if when we were enemies, think about the enemies, we hated God, God hated us. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You say, preacher, I was never an enemy of God. I'm to challenge you on that. I'm to challenge you on that. You can say, I'm a good person. I've always loved God. I, I, I want to challenge you that you're, you, every one of us was an enemy of God. And, and to a great degree, you're still walking around their flesh. Your flesh is still an enemy of God. You say, oh no, not me, preacher. Has God ever asked you to do something? You said, oh, I don't want to do that. You know why? He's your enemy. Has he ever asked you to give more, do more, be more committed, witness to someone, uh, fast? uh, Just name it. You know, a lot of you guys are really faithful to come true. Was there ever a time when God was pushing you to be more faithful, pushing you to do more, and you said, "No"? You know why? Because you were an enemy. You you were resisting God. That is our natural state: is to be an enemy of God, and we all are there, and we're all still there in the flesh. But but even though we were enemies, uh, God loved us. But I want to give you something from this verse. Uh, th- this really has stuck out to me, and this is what God has really been working on me with, if I could put it in the right thing. Um, so when I had no strength, and when I was a sinner, and when I was, when I was an evil, wicked person, Jesus paid for my sins, Because he did that, I have now accepted him by faith, and by faith I stand righteous in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Okay? You guys with me on that? You guys get that? We're we're standing righteous in him. So now, as as a righteous standing person, I ask God for something. So let me think about this. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8 here in a little bit, those of you that are jumping ahead of me. But I want you to think about this. God sent his son to forgive me of my sins. I am now standing righteous and holy in his sight, but I need something, and I'm not sure he wants to give it to me. Does that make any sense? Now, let, let, me, let me promise you something. If I give you Josh and he dies for you, there's nothing you can ask me that I won't give you. Does that make sense? There, listen, once I've paid the ultimate price, then I can't say, well, you know, you're wanting to borrow my truck. That's just too much. Right, I gave you my son. Once I give you my son, you can't ask anything more. And I really want you guys get to. as Christians, we are, we are saved, we are made righteous, and then I think sometimes we walk around. Now, have we ever had these thoughts? Well, you know, I let God down so I don't think He wants to help me. Don't we do that? don't we all do that? I fail God, so I'm, I'm asking him for something but Listen, He gave you His son. We, we think, well, you know, God's probably mad at me. He's not, he's not. I hear this from people all the time. I hear people from this in this church this way. Well, I think the reason I'm going through all this is because I disappointed God. You disappointed God before you ever got saved. He planned on you disappointing. I'm not painting a picture of we live carelessly. I'm painting a picture of God never thought you would be perfect. He knew you was going to mess up, but God loves you. And God wants to help you. And I think as Christians, we get it all twisted in our mind. And even though we know God commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners, then we think, well, after I'm saved, I failed him, so he probably doesn't want to help me. Can I just be real honest? I know that's the devil. That's stupid. That's stupid. It, it, really, it really is. Well, I don't know if I should ask God for anything. I, wasn't, I didn't read my Bible five times this week. He probably won't want to answer my prayers. Isn't that kind of dumb? Isn't dumb? We all think that way, don't we? Listen, you, here's the logical thing. Here, here's a logical explanation for that. If you just use a little bit of logic. If God should not answer your prayers because you failed him, then God should answer your prayers because you're so good, he owes you one. Isn't that the logical conclusion? If you're not being good, cause him not to answer your prayers, then you are being good requires that he owes you something. That's stupid. That goes against everything we've been learning. You don't deserve anything. Everything you get is because God is good and He loves you. When you get that, it'll set you free. Now, this is there is no room here to 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 rear back and say, you know, um, I can live any way I want to, and and that's not what this is about. This is about God loves you. I don't know how to get that across. I'm struggling so much. I don't know how to get that across. If you guys just really understand how much God loves you, what can you ask Him that He can't do? I think everybody here realizes God has the power to do anything, but do you realize He loves you so much He would do anything for you? And If we got that, we we should stop bowing our heads and saying, I guess I don't deserve it. I haven't been that good. Last verse, uh, such a precious, precious verse. Uh, It says, verse number 11, and not only so, everything we've just learned, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the atonement. So, Is it possible to understand everything that I have just taught you guys and not have joy? Serious question. Serious question. Because if you really get what God did for you, (laughs) you're gonna have some joy. You're gonna have some, there's gonna be some rejoicing. It's gonna stir your soul. And here's what, I would, here's what I would argue this morning. Though everything I've just taught you, you say, if there's preacher you haven't taught us anything we didn't already know, that may be true, but these verses, they're so sacred, they're so holy, they're so precious, but the devil wants very much for you to forget what I just taught you. And you've probably all heard these things before, but he tries to callous it over by problems of this life and everything else. But if you would just keep this in your mind, that whenever you were an enemy and you were a sinner, that God came and sent his son and allowed him to be tortured fiercely for you because he loves you, and now there's nothing he won't do because he loves you. He loves you as much today as he did when Jesus died for you. If you remember that, you're going to have some joy in your life no matter what you're going through. And some contentment, and some confidence, and some peace. I was thinking as I was, as I was studying this out. I thought about the, joy, the fruit of the spirit. We talk about the fruit of the spirit very much, but it kind of come to me. It's kind of, it's kind of, uh, um, kind of simplistic, really. The fruit of the spirit. We talk so much about how we get the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, kindness, all those, meekness, temper, all those things. It kind of come to me. If you really get this deep down in your heart, the automatic thing is the fruit of the spirit. You just automatically have joy. You automatically have love. You automatically have peace. You automatically have long service. So it just automatically oozes out of you because you, have, you really comprehend how much God loved you. So all of that being said, I have one point this morning. If you have a handout, you see that I have one point. I know that's a little unusual. I have four um, answers to the question we're going to ask. But everything that I've taught you, and I don't feel like I've done a very good job, but everything that I, we have studied this morning, everything we've been studying, what would change... If you got that down really, really deep, I dare say that probably everybody here this morning when you came in, you already knew this verse. I dare say that in your head you already knew this knowledge. But what would happen if you really got a hold of it, really had a comprehension of it, really got it deep down in your heart? What would change in your life? And I want to challenge you this morning. I want to push you a little bit hard. I want to challenge you that if you really understood this verse the way you think you do, because I, I dare say that some of you, if I'd asked before we started a message, you'd say, oh, I understand everything that means. I want to challenge you. If you understand it, things change. Things will drastically change when we understand this teaching. And so I've got four things for you this morning. Um, Renee or someone, you can wave your hand if I don't make it clear. So I want you to get all four of these, uh, write these down. You can make a little note there to yourself, but write these down. If I don't get them to you, I'll make sure you let me know. Um, Number one, or not number one, but just point point one answer to the question, what would change? I want you to think about pride. Pride is the first one. I want to be real honest on this one. I want to be real clear on this one. Here's the problem with pride. There's a lot of problems with pride, but here's one of the problems with pride. Okay, I, I want you guys to engage I'm here. Okay? I want you guys to help me. You guys can shake your head, grunt, raise your hand, whatever, but I, I want you guys to really be with me on this. Here's a problem with pride. I'm just going to be honest enough to say it. I'm just going to be straight out forward. I'm just going to, I'm just going to take all of our halos off and we're just going to talk. Okay, Here's the problem with pride when you I've known a lot and I mean a lot I've known a lot of self-righteous Christians have you guys I've known a lot of very prideful Christians okay you are all shaking your head with me I've been that Pharisee many times myself here is the problem let's just be real honest and straightforward here is the problem when you go to a good Bible-believing church and you are taught uh, what thus saith the Word of God and you are challenged on a weekly basis, if you love the Lord, it's going to start changing your life. You're going to start becoming better. You're going to be moving closer to God. You're going to start uh, living a more sanctified life. Are you guys with me? That's what happens when you come to church. When you hear the Word of God constantly, it makes you grow. You become more sanctified. Okay. What happens naturally when you get more sanctified? There are others who don't. Is anybody seeing how clear that is? Well, I say, look at that bunch of self-righteous people down there. But the truth is, whenever so so, if I could, if I could, will you, will you guys still love me if I if I if I bare my soul a little bit? Will you guys still love me? Whenever you're moving closer to God and you're, and you're getting some things lined out and you're putting some sin away and you're getting closer to what you're supposed to be, isn't it almost impossible not to look around a whole bunch of Christians who aren't doing that? I mean, I know no one wants to be honest enough to say that, but that's the truth, right? Well, they're not doing that and they're not doing that. And well, obviously, I'm a whole lot better than they are, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being what saying what nobody wants to say, but here's the thing. Every one of you have had those thoughts, You look at your life, you're growing in the Lord, you're getting closer to God, you're hearing the word of God preached, you're getting closer, and then you can find someone somewhere else who's not getting closer, and what is instantly what happens? Pride. And it's sin. It is, by the way, what threw Satan out of heaven, it was really the first sin that was ever committed was pride. It is the, uh, if you will, it is the uh, hood ornament for the devil and a lot of Christians own that, and it is pride. So you say, preacher, what is the cure for pride? Well, I think if we're just real honest, you know, we preach about pride a lot. I think we all know pride's wrong. I don't think there's anybody here doesn't know that pride's wrong. I think you can have pride and not know that you have pride. I've heard a whole lot of people say they were humble when they were the most prideful person I'd ever met, right? But I think we can have pride, and, and, and it can be very simple to us. But here's the thing. When you have pride, and you are really living by the Bible and doing what God says, and you look around at other people who aren't doing what God says... It's hard in the flesh to get that turned around in your head where you don't feel better than they are. I'm just being honest. (laughs) Am I losing you guys? I'm just being honest. It's easy to look around and see people who aren't living what you are and you're living by the Bible. Until, until I recognize I'm one of those brown sheep standing in that white snow. Because, see, if I can compare myself, there's Christians I can compare myself to and say, well, man, I, I live a lot better life than they do. But when I compare myself to God, I think I shouldn't even be holding my head up. I shouldn't even be here. I don't deserve to be in this place. And there is no way if the, so, so let me, so let's hear, uh, d- Does anybody here know what, uh, um, Tina asked me this a long, long time ago. she came come in and asked me this. She said, Pastor, what does this mean? <laughs> and so uh, does anybody here know what the Shekinah glory of God is? Do you guys know what that is? It's, it's what when, when Solomon built the temple and he got everything in order, the Shekinah glory, God showed up in a visible form. He showed up and he filled the temple and it said it was so vast that the, the priests had to leave. They couldn't be in. The Shekinah glory just came in and it took over everything. Now, if I am standing here and, and Brother Charles, I'm just using for example, brother you know, I don't mean this. But if I'm looking at Brother Charles and I say, he's just not as good as I am. He just doesn't live a very good Christian life. I mean, look at me and look at him. I'm a whole lot better. But the Shekinah glory comes in. Guess what I say? Oh my gosh, Charles, get down. God's ear, right? I can no longer look down on Charles. I got to say, I can't do that, right? It puts me in my place. Is anybody following this? It takes away all of my pride and arrogance because when God shows up. So if that is true, if you guys will believe that, (laughs) okay, you guys (laughs) If you guys believe that, When we're looking down at other people, we're not seeing God. When I'm looking down on Sister Bessie because she's just not a very good Christian, I'm not seeing God. I've left God out of the picture. When God steps in, I all of a sudden can't judge someone else. Now, I am not saying, I think everybody here knows I'm not saying this. I have preached this a thousand times. I am not saying we overlook sin, we approve of sin, we accept sin, we allow people to live sinful lives and we put our approval. I'm not saying that anyway, but I am saying this. A lot of the pride and the self-righteousness would go out the window if we really understood that Jesus died for me and I did not deserve it. I did not deserve to be saved and that I should be going to hell and, and that his holiness is so great that I am as ho- I am as dirty. As is that person, I'm comparing myself to. I've used this illustration many times. I think it's such a good illustration, and I know many of you have heard it before. But if you are standing, uh, um, if you are looking uh, from an airplane, looking down, and you see the Empire State Building and you see a two-story building beside of it, which one is higher, the Empire State Building? If you're on the moon and you're looking back at Earth, which one's higher, that two-story building or the Empire State Building? You can't tell a difference. Does that make sense? That's how we are. Well, I'm holier than them, not compared to God. You're all, you can't tell any difference. You're all enemies of God who are saved by the grace of God. And by faith, you're going to heaven and nothing else. And when we get that, it changes all of that. So the first thing it changes is pride. And I believe if we really recognize that, uh, we would have a hard time judging other people because they're not what they should be. And one last thing let me throw in there, just real quick on this, on this pride issue. I thought about this many, many times. To be honest with you, it scares me to death. But I was raised in a good Christian home. I had a good Christian mom and dad. I was taken to church since I was a little boy. I've been in church all my life. I've had people who love me in the church. I've been blessed to have uh, um, exposure to a lot of Bible and Bible teaching and a lot of things. I've been blessed with a lot of things. I'm, I'm now in a good Bible believing church. What if I would have been born to drug addict parents? What if I'd have been born to parents who didn't go to church? What if I'd have been born to parents who were Jehovah Jehovah Witness? What if I would have gotten raised in a liberal church that didn't preach the Bible? Do I get any credit for where I was born? Did I have any, I mean, do I get to say, hey, I picked my mom and dad? Listen, I had nothing to say about it. Did I get to say what well, church I was going to be raised in? Do I? Did in other words, all of the things that make us who we are, all of you good people that are here who are getting closer to God and who are growing, we should just praise God that we have a place we can do that in. And God has blessed you with that and not say, well, we're better than somebody else because somebody else may have never had the privileges you have. And may I remind you, this is the part that scares me, may I remind you that the Bible says, to whom much is given, much shall be required. So you have someone who was born with ungodly parents in a cult. Maybe they get saved and they're in a liberal church. Is God going to expect the same out of them as they do out of me? No. And so maybe we ought to just take our halos off and say, praise God I'm here and I want to help other people. Amen? So pride would have to change if we were to uh, uh, really understand this Scripture. Second uh, second point, I believe, and this is is really kind of a blessing, and you guys are are pretty good at this, but anything we talk about we can always do a little bit better. But the second uh, point is being an obedient servant. An obedient servant. So I want you to understand this. Not in your head, but in your heart. You understand that what Jesus did when he died on the cross for your sins. He paid for your sins. You didn't deserve it. You were a sinner. When you really, really, truly understand that, and God says, I need you to do this for me, do you look at him and say, no, that's too much? (laughs) Do I need to say that again? I don't know if all of you got that. (laughs) Okay. I need you to give more money. I need you to give more time. I need you to be more committed. I need you to take on another ministry. I need you to be more sacrificial. I need you to do something you don't like to do. Do we ever say, no, God, that's too much. Not when we understand what he did. See, when we really understand this in the heart, that I deserve to go to hell, and I am not just saying it my lips, but I understand it in my heart, and I understand that he commended his love toward me, let his son suffer and die, so as I could go to heaven. When I really understand that, it, then, then there, Lord, there's nothing off the table. Anything you ask is reasonable. Sell everything I have and move to a foreign country, that's very reasonable. Go witness to people that I don't even know. uh, That's very reasonable. Uh, Fast, give money, be uh, faithful, give up my time and come work for church. All the things that we think are, we say, that's very reasonable. I'll just ask you this. If he paid the price so you don't have to go to hell, is there anything he can ask that's not reasonable? There's nothing he can ask that's not reasonable. And it changes our perspective because now, um, you know, it is very satanic. Let me say this is very satanic, but I think it is easy for all of us to slip that shoe on. But have you ever had this thought, I'm really doing a lot for God? No, you're not. No, you're not. I don't care how much, you're, how much you think you're doing. You're not doing a lot for God. It's just a reasonable service. It's, it's, just, it's just bottom line. He did everything for you. We should be gladly doing everything for him. And it would change that perspective if we, if we, uh, um, if we got that. Next, next uh, sub-point uh, is reconciled request. So we will, be, we will get rid of pride if we really understand this. We will become an obedient servant, willing to do anything. If we do this, we will have a reconciled request. That sounds like a Josh title, doesn't it? A reconciled request. What does that mean? Well, it teaches us in verse number ten that, that while we were enemies, we were reconciled by His death. We basically we got to be saved because of His death. Now that we're reconciled, uh, we, we're, we're living a different life. So if God loved me so much that He saved me from my sins, He loves me enough now to do anything for me. So turn your Bibles to uh, eight, Romans eight thirty two. I, I know, sure, some of you jumped ahead of me on this, but uh, let's read this with everybody. Romans eight thirty two. <clears throat> So, reconciled request. Are we there? Romans 8:32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, what does all mean? All means all. And that's all it means. It just means all. How can we read this verse and understand it? Our Heavenly Father, who already sacrificed His Holy Son, will now give you anything that is good. Now let's be honest. Let's be honest. Most of you have been saved for a while. Have you ever asked God for something and begged God for something and He didn't give it to you, and afterwards you realized He was right and you were wrong? Oh, God, I got to have this. Can't make it without you. God, I know you can do it. I trust you're going to do it. I pray you're going to do it. Oh, God, I know you're going to answer this prayer. And he doesn't. He said, well, he failed me. But then six months down the road, you look back and say, oh, man, I'm so glad he didn't answer that prayer. That was not what I needed, right? By the way, the Bible says there, uh, um, uh, 828, just a few verses back, it says, all things work together for the good of them, that love and serve the Lord, those being conformed into his image. So everything that you pray, God will answer it, and he will give it to you, but he will give you what is best. How many of you would rather have what is best or what is good? I'd rather have what's best. God knows what's best. You think you know what's good. Sometimes he doesn't give you what you ask for just because he's being good to you. Well, you guys have that this morning. You guys have that. Sometimes he doesn't give you what you're asking for because he's just being good to you. But reconciled request, preacher, what do you mean by that? I mean by that, and I don't mean to sound proud and arrogant, but I want you guys to understand this. If I really understand that Jesus died for my sins and I really realize how much he loves me, now that I'm in the family, if he loved me that much when I wasn't in the family, I'm in the family now. I've got his blood running through my veins. I am a royal priesthood. I am a child of God. I am, I am blessed to be called a son of God. I now have those credentials. Isn't it reasonable that I could ask anything I wanted of God? Again, this goes back to everything we've been learning. Not on my uh, merit. Not because I read my Bible this week. Not because I went to church a lot this week. Not because I came over to the ministry building. Not because I gave a lot of money but because God loves me. Do you guys get that? I don't know how to get that across. Do you guys get that? Does anybody here get that God loves you? No. Do you guys get that God loves you? Do you guys get that he answers prayers not because you deserve it, but because he loves you? Why Why are we good to our kids? Has anybody here ever had a kid that wasn't good? Yeah. Has anybody ever been good to your kid that wasn't good? See, God loves you. But Charles, God loves you and has nothing whatsoever to do with how good you are. It's not that you deserve it; you have it coming. Or that it, it is just he simply loves you. I don't know how to get that across, you guys. But he loves you. He loves you so much he would give anything for you. Now you can't bankrupt God. I'll be honest with you. In my flesh, I, I know this is wrong, but I do it anyway. And I, I know that it is it is unbiblical. And I tell you guys I do it, but I do it sometimes too. But if you ever ask God for so much and you think I just feel bad asking for anymore, because I've asked and I've asked and I've asked and I've asked and I've asked, I think oh God I got a few more things I need, and you feel bad. You think he owns the universe. How are, you, how, how are you going to ask too much? I mean, it's like when you own the universe and someone asks you for $100, you don't say, oh, I don't know if I can afford that or not. He owns everything. He can do everything. How much trouble was it for him to create the world? No problem at all. He can do anything for you. So when we ask and we ask and we ask and we ask and we ask, all we've got to remember is we can ask everything we want, but he's going to give us what is best and not what we want necessarily. And I think that reconciled request, that just simply means once we are reconciled, we can now make requests and have confidence, God loves me. God loves me. And, you know, I'm preaching this message to you guys this morning, and I'm trying to get you guys to get it, and and God has really worked on me big time on this. But has anybody ever had this experience? I've had this quite a bit lately. I fail God. You know, I'm just being honest. I fail God. There there are times I just, I'm not what I need to be. I've let God down. I've let... Just I've just failed God. And then there's times that in the midst of my failing him, he just blesses me and blesses me and blesses me and blesses me. And I'm like, God, don't you remember what I did yesterday? Do you forget? And then he just blesses me and blesses me and blesses me. And then I get the feeling, oh, God, I feel so terrible because you're being so good to me and I'm not being so good to you. And he, this week, it was just like he just reminded me with a great big old banner. He said, son, I love you has nothing to do with how good you are to me. I just love you. Do you guys get that there's nothing you can do to get God not to love you? you, Does everybody get that? There's nothing you can do, oh, if I do this, God. No, there's nothing you can do to get God to love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you any less. God loves you. And it's not based on merit. It's based on, based on God is good. So everything good that I have in my life, I can stand here for hours and you all the good things I have and how God has blessed me and all that he's done. But all of that is not because Gary has done a lot for God. It is because I serve a good God. Did you guys get that? And I serve a good God who's just good to me. He's just good to me. He loves me. Amen? So that would change. And the last one's a real good place to end. So we have the pride issue would be resolved if we really understood this. We have the obedient servant that would uh, faithfully do anything God asked them to. We have the reconciled request where we just realize that because now I am reconciled to God, I can can come to him and he can give me anything that I need, what is best for me. But the last thing I want us to see is genuine joy. Put that word genuine in there on purpose. Like a lot of other things in church, because we're Christians and we've read in the Bible that we're supposed to have joy, a lot of people try to act like they have joy. Have you ever seen people try to act like they have joy? I mean, they don't have any joy, but they try to act like they have joy, right? Because they know Christians are supposed to have joy. So they try to put a smile on their face. They try to act happy. They try to act like they have joy. But we know they don't have joy. But have you ever seen someone who had genuine joy? I mean, it just shows up. They're, they're just full of joy, right? Is there anybody here this morning that would like to be that person? They would like to be that person who's just full of joy. You don't have to get up and tell the church, hey, i got a lot of joy. You don't have to get up and brag on yourself. You just walk into church and they say, well, there's that guy. He's got a lot of joy. If anybody would to be that person, we have visitors come in and they say, oh, brother so-and-so, he's really got the joy. Why is that? Why is that? It tells us there in verse 11. It tells us, if we comprehend all of this, how can you understand that the God of heaven left heaven and came down here and died for your sins and did not bring joy? I'm arguing this morning, though we know it in our heads, if we knew it in our hearts, we'd be rejoicing. We'd be, listen, you could not come to church and hear the songs about Jesus dying for you and not be worshiping him because you'd be overrun with joy that he died for your sins. And the devil wants that to become old, and he wants that to become routine, and he wants that to become, you know, I know this, I don't need anything else. But if we really had that fresh in our heart, we'd be bubbled over with joy. We'd have so much joy and excitement and enthusiasm, passion, uh, because of, uh, of what God has done for us. And we, I think this is really something we all need to work on. I'm not talking about head knowledge, I'm talking about heart knowledge. If you really know that Jesus died for your sin and you didn't deserve it, had no strength or, or a sinful, evil person, if you really know that and that you get to go to heaven and you literally deserve to go to hell and tomorrow, and you, so today you have joy in your life but tomorrow you lose your job. Tomorrow you get a bad report from the doctor. Tomorrow a loved one has a problem. Does that change your joy at all? Not even a little bit. Doesn't change it at all. That's what we got to get to, guys. That's what I'm challenging to. When we grasp this concept, nothing can take that joy away. You you can have problems in this life. You can have heartache in this life. You can have hard things in this life. You can go through difficulties in this life. Your happenstance may change. Your happiness may change. But your joy never changes because it's not rooted in this world. It's rooted in the world to come. And as Christians, that's what we need to be showing is a joy that this world cannot take away. I've preached to you guys so many times, if you're a Christian, you will have problems. We've proven that pretty, pretty good around here, haven't we? We, we? You will have problems. But that doesn't mean you lose your joy. You can have joy in the midst of problems. So I challenge you, if we understand these things, things will change in our life. And I challenge you, if you need to work on those things, that you would uh, really consider what Jesus did for you and see if it won't make a difference in how you look at life.
0: We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth Provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.